And I'd also like to bring up a wonderful product that I take from on it called Shroom Tech Sport. It has adaptogens and cordyceps synesis, which is a mushroom that is an amazing product that helps the body with ATP production as well as oxygen utilization. That means you're going to be able to work out harder and longer. It also is caffeine-free. So even though I like to work out with a little bit of caffeine in my system, I can do that with a different product, like some good optimized coffee, and then throw the, the wonderful Shroom Tech Sport in on top of that. The fact that there's no caffeine in it also helps me if I'm going to have a late workout and I don't want to be up all night after the workout. You know, For people who are just pressed for time and really need to get a good hard workout in, a lot of the best jujitsu classes I attend are late at night. And uh, you want to have the best workout you possibly can, but you don't want to be up until midnight or 2 a.m. because of the fact that your pre-workout contains caffeine and other stimulants. Shroom Tech Sport is the one that's right for you. And if you go to onnit.com slash podcast, you'll get 10% off your entire order of supplements and foods. Welcome to the Human Optimization Hour with Kyle Kingsbury, presented by Onnit. We have an amazing podcast today with the primal swolger, Eric Leha, who has quickly become one of the major faces of Onnit. Uh, if you've ever seen the videos of guys swinging kettlebells around, it's quite likely you're looking at primal swolger. He has an amazing story. We go down deep down the rabbit hole on DMT, consciousness, and all sorts of things that I never thought I'd be talking to him about. You know, as with anything, I think, I think in the movie Shrek, they say that ogres are like onions. They have many layers. And not that uh, the soldier is an ogre, but he's got many layers. And we, we dive really deep in this podcast. I mean, he's in the On It 6 workout videos as one of the models, him and his girlfriend, Francesca, are. Uh, if you come to do a kettlebell certification at on it, he's the guy you're going to see teaching you along with Marcus Martinez. And I did the, the kettlebell cert and it blew my freaking mind. We talked quite a bit about that in the show along with other things and really how he's traversed his path through health and wellness, strength and conditioning, fighting professionally, and then coming here to where now he's a major player as a movement specialist here at on it using the odd tools that we have to offer. I think you guys are going to love this episode. We got Primal Swolger in the house. Yo, what up, savages? <laughs> My man, Eric Leha. Is that how we say it? That's exactly right. All right, that's your You're real name. the first name. person to ever get it right the first time. <laughs> Most people know you as Primal Swolger online. Yeah. I want to so unpack how we've come to this point where you're now known as the Onnit Kettlebell guy. You're basically the face of what on it training looks like, what it means to train with odd tools and really just how to be functional and fucking jacked and tanned at the same time. You know, like uh, that's, that's my boy, Mark Bell's term, but you know, a lot of people think like once you go into this functional training that you're not going to be strong anymore, or you'll be able to do parlor tricks, but you won't be able to deadlift or back squat. And that's something, you know, when I did the kettlebell cert here and you were one of the coaches in that, a lot of people had questions like, Hey, how do I do kettlebells for, for mass if I want to gain a lot of weight or pure strength? And you're like, well, you use the kettlebells, but don't forget the fucking barbell. Yeah. Like, still bench, squat, and, and deadlift. And also, you can you do know? anything with a kettlebell, you mm -hmm. know? Same movement, same. Just got to change up the training protocols to make sure you're getting some, uh, you know, some uh, muscle building in there. It's just a weight with a handle on it, you know? It's yeah. good for anything. Oh, yeah. So let's, let's, let's dive into that, though. I mean, you're, you're, you're fairly young. How old are you? I'm 25 now. I just turned 25. Oh, yes. Yeah. You can rent a car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting pretty old now. Yeah. I'm a man, <laughs> damn it. I can rent a car. I'm a man. Um, but let's let's unpack that. What, what, when did you start training and what did you start with? You know, what does your athletic career look like growing up? I started working out when I was like 11 years old, 12. I remember I was a chubby kid growing up. I used to eat a lot of fast food. Um, and I just like playing video games all the time. And I remember I was transitioning from going to ele from elementary school to middle school. My brother and my sister, my older brother and my older sister would make fun of me all the time. They're like, man, you're so fat. You're never going to have a girlfriend. You're about to go to middle school. You haven't even kissed a girl. You know, it's like teasing me all the time, <laughs> all summer. Like, you need to lose weight. You're fat and chubby. And then so it like got to my head. So I picked up this, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. Yes. The old fat ass book. I dug through it, got some basic little workouts out of it, some bodybuilding routines, and started working out when I was like 11. Started running outside, you know, dropped all that baby fat. And then after that, kind of jumped into uh, uh, middle school football. Uh, I did pretty good at that, but I didn't love it. You know, I had a lot of 
I used to watch UFC and MMA growing up. My brother was super into that. So he would make me watch it with him all the time. We would go over to our friends' houses who would order those uh, Pride FCs that were on like at random times during the day. We would go sit down and watch those. And I got super into MMA. And so I ended up dropping out of football and just kind of taking up some jujitsu classes and kickboxing when I was like 13, 14 years old. And then... You know, when I was I was got super into martial arts, I realized that the type of training that I was doing, you know, I was running, which is good, but bodybuilding type workouts weren't the best for developing functional strength that it took to kind of survive in a real like a real like match or, or fight. So I ended up following in the footsteps of a lot of the the guys I was training with. They always had access to like kettlebells and medicine balls and uh, sledgehammers, tire slams, and just you know mixing up their techniques to where they were doing more functional stuff that kind of translated a little bit better to what they were doing. So I kind of started incorporating that, incorporating those type of techniques into my routines, and that's when I kind of just started mixing it up from there. All throughout high school, you know, I just kept training, kept doing a jujitsu, did some jujitsu matches, and then uh, kind of just stuck with that on and off training for martial arts, which is dope. Hell yeah, that is dope. When did you get to on it and how did you get to on it? So I ended up, you know, working really hard in high school, got into a good school. And, uh, you know, I worked so hard in high school to where I wasn't having fun. You know, I never really liked to drink. Uh, I wasn't into drugs or partying. So I was kind of like a, a bookworm, worked really hard to get into a good school. And by the time I got to college, my first semester sucked. I absolutely hated it. I couldn't make any friends. I didn't have, I had really poor social skills and I just wasn't having a good time. And uh, so I started listening to a lot of cool uh, motivational podcasts like uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. And that guy was super motivational and it still is to this day uh, about, you know, not being a little bitch and like just doing what you really want to do. And at the time I was still into, you know, MMA and I had a good friend who was an MMA fighter. He was a fighter for the UFC. This guy, uh, Roger Huerta, he was a 155-pound fighter back in the day. First MMA fighter to be on the cover of Sports yeah. Illustrated. Yeah. And so yeah. he was really good friends with my brother. And he ended up coming back into town to uh, kind of reconnect with his family who lived in town. And then he found out I was unhappy going to school. And he's like, hey, man, uh, how about you just drop out of school and come hang out with me? Let's go train in Minnesota. And so I ended up dropping out of school. And I took off with Roger. We drove up to Minnesota and I trained uh, with like all those tough guys up there, all those really tough wrestlers uh, like Sean Shirk. And yeah, the muscle, the muscle shark. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was dope, man. So I got to experience that. I got to see what it was like to be a fighter, which is awesome. And, you know, a lot of hard work. But after that experience, you know, I came back to town. You know, I still wasn't an MMA fighter. I was, I hadn't have any experience, you know, and, but I had an experience of what it felt like to, you know, really dive into something that I liked and I was more passionate about than, you know, going to school. Mm -hmm. And I also learned how to, you know, make friends with people who were into the same kind of stuff. And so I ended up um, becoming good friends with uh, Aubrey Marcus or Aubrey uh, through my brother. Uh, so my brother was friends with Roger and Aubrey. And uh, Aubrey at the time was really into, or still is, uh, like spiritual awakening type stuff. And he had this blog up, this uh, warrior poet blog. And um, he ended up hiring me to like help him and like assist him with that. And so I ended up helping, out, helping him out with that. And from there, I got involved with the company. I actually got a job in the warehouse. Because, you know, I was helping him out on the side. But I was like, hey, man, you know, you think you could hook me up with a job, you know, like a, so I could pay the bills and stuff. He's like, yeah, man, you know, there's always room in the warehouse. You want to work in the warehouse? I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. And so you, got, the, you got swole lifting boxes of alpha yeah, brain man. for people. Yeah, and at the time, you know, like I said, I didn't like going to school because I couldn't make any friends. Well, at the time, on it was a little bit of a smaller company. And a lot of the friends that I grew up hanging out with through my brother, uh, they all worked for the company. So it was a small company, uh, a lot of people that I knew. So I was like, yeah, I'll work in the warehouse. I get to hang out with my friends all the time. You know, so I grew up, I uh, grew up in the warehouse, basically, you know, lifting kettlebells, packing uh, supplements and stuff. And it was a lot of fun, you know, because I got to hang out with all my friends. I got to work for Aubrey, who was super cool. 
and super enlightened. So I, I still got to learn from him even as I worked for the company. And eventually, um, Aubrey saw the value in actually opening up a gym because we sold all these tools, but we didn't really have an education system uh, to teach people how to use them. So he's like, you know what? How about we open a gym and build an education system around these tools so we can not only sell people tools, but also show them how to use it so they can use them more effectively and you know, try to build a stronger community around that. And he realized, you know, Eric, you, you've always been fit. You've always been into uh, training. So how about you get some experience, start training some people out of our company gym and, you know, start teaching some group classes and be one of the trainers, one of the first trainers at the On It gym. I was like, hell yeah, sign me up. You know, <laughs> so I basically, I guess I worked my way up, you know, from, you know, packing kettlebells to showing people how to use them. And so um, that was that was an awesome experience, you know, being able to uh, kind of, you know, grow within the company and yeah. find something for myself. It's crazy to think about that. Like, because I, I remember talking to your brother, Juan. Juan was training people out of Aubrey's garage. Yeah, El Garage. Know? Yeah, and it was like just Alpha Brain. That was the only thing that was yeah. being sold. And, and new mood and yeah new, and then that's new mood kit but new mood and shroom tech all came along yeah, later you know what i'm saying like later. it all came along later it was all built on alpha brain mm -hmm. and juan's training aubrey and different people out of aubrey's garage and then of course the company takes off and then hey we want to have a gym and uh you know your brother teaches the unconventional barbell which is fucking amazing yeah and, uh, and a lot so of cool. other things and obviously he coaches tim kennedy and a lot of the top level guys yeah. here uh it's crazy to see like because I've, I've been here for nine months you know and i feel pretty plugged in yeah. now but it's it's nuts to think of like how this thing came to be you know because it's only been around for seven years but it yeah. feels like we're on a fucking rocket ship right now, <laughs> yeah you know, moving like, so fast. yeah it's moving real quick mm -hmm. um and now you're teaching kettlebell certs you're, you're doing private training um you have so much going on and you're still putting everything all together you know like you you have a really good balanced approach to this uh, we talked a bit about, you know, just the how you train for mass and things like that. Still incorporating the barbell, still in, incorporating the classic mm -hmm. lifts like bench, squat, deadlift. But you also do distance runs, sprints. Yeah, like you really have a complete package. When I think of what it takes to be a really good athlete, dive yeah. in, dive, unpack some of that. You know, yeah, the, I try to mix it process. up, man. You know, I feel like if I do the same thing over and over again, or anybody does, you know, you. Um, you adapt, you stop growing, you stop seeing results, or you know you develop bad habits and possibly get injured. So I constantly switch up my routine. You know I make sure I I do strength work with barbells uh, to make sure I'm keeping maintaining my my maximal strength. You know throughout the year, and I always incorporate kettlebells just because you know they're super accessible, super versatile. I can do anything I want with them. You know I can use them for conditioning to get it like a cardio calorie burning uh, workout, or I can use them for strength. You know, I just gotta, you know, switch up the, add some weight, you know, do a little bit of heavier kettlebell for slower, slower reps, higher reps, you know, if I'm trying to target, like trying to build some muscle. And, um, but for me, my daily routines, you know, I, I love running. Uh, I try to run as much as I can so I can eat as much as I can, you know, <laughs> cause I work a lot, you know, I work from like usually from 6 a.m. to, eight at night so throughout the day i gotta stay stay fed i eat all day drink coffee drink shakes and so to make sure i'm not you know putting on any extra fat i like to run hit the kettlebell flows to burn some calories and i like to mix in the, the, those barbell lifts to make sure i'm really breaking down those muscle tissues with some some heavy load and you know create uh create some adaptability and really have to put on some muscle yeah um but for the most part 90 89 of my training is kettlebells just because they're so so easy to use you know once you get your techniques down you can pretty much do whatever you want with kettlebells and honestly i can be lazy sometimes uh, you know re-racking weights having to load a barbell up is can be a pain in the ass so for me <laughs> grabbing a couple kettlebells swinging them around and doing some pull-ups dips and going for a long run is pretty much all i need you know in addition to doing some sprint work i love doing sprints you know, really get me fucking juiced up, really get my nervous yeah. system activated, some box jumps and kettlebell swings, man. Yeah, that was something, you know, I first got turned on at kettlebells uh, listening to Pavel Tatsulin on uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast. Yeah. And something he was talking about that really struck a chord with me because I was aware a lot of guys in MMA, 
use kettlebells and, and for obvious reasons, but yeah. I wasn't certain of what how that translated. And Pavel was talking about the kettlebell snatch and the kettlebell swing, the hip hinge movement in that, but also the spring that happens. It's basically a plyometric movement. Oh yeah. And it's, you know, like if you think of people think of plyometrics as like jumping up on top of a box or a bench and then walking back down. But that's mm-hmm. not true plyometrics. Plyometrics are the rebound. Yeah, like that, a depth re- that jump. reload. Yeah, where you jump off of something down and then back up on top of something. Mm, yeah. Or you jump down from something just tap the ground and jump as far as you can, yeah. right? It's that rebound. And when you hike the kettlebell between your legs, you get a shitload of stretch. You're that fucking, fucking stretching the whole posterior chain oh, yeah. and then snapping the hips back forward. Yep. That's teaching you how to run faster. It's teaching you how to jump higher. It's it's loading the body in a way that is plyometric. Yep. And you see incredible results incredibly quickly from that. And it translates to fucking pretty much all sports. Oh, yeah. doesn't matter what you do, tennis, hockey, football mma like it's there so i I mean i've i've gravitated towards that and it's amazing to see that it's also you know taking the kettlebell cert here at on it with you as one of the coaches was it it was fucking mind-blowing like i knew i was going to learn things and i'd be able to fix some of the technical stuff but um the flow really surprised me like the flow like how you guys flow like unpack that a bit like how you guys break down a flow really changed my mind because when i watch you like you look like you move so smoothly and seamlessly it looks like it's almost planned you know and you're like no 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 you're not trying to go even stevens you're not trying to hit one (laughs) you know two reps each side and make it all equal you definitely can you know try to can do that if you want to like balance your body or you're trying to build muscle you know you could have kettlebell flows that are a little bit more uh planned that can kind of you know have like a a sequence yeah yeah but we also, we taught the free flow. That's more of a, it's like, it can be anything, man. If you really, if you go lightweight and you go for time, you know, you can challenge yourself not to put the weight down. It challenges your grip, challenges your endurance, you know, by having to keep going the whole time for the full, let's say 10 to 15 minute rounds. But it also helps you really explore your body and really assess where your body's at, what moves you're uh, really uh like fluent with or what you're having a hard time with any sticking points you might have you know because in kettlebell flows and free flow you're transitioning and you're just like you know just going for it you know you're just not thinking just kind of doing what your body does and just kind of doing whatever techniques are you're familiar with or then you find what you're not familiar with and from there after the session you can kind of work on those weaknesses that you found or those strengths you're like man i was really good at that move combine into that move maybe i should combine that and really drill that and it'll make me a lot stronger in that transition and help me be more prepared for the next time i'm in that type of scenario yeah you find your weaknesses yeah through the movement super for me free flowing that's one of the biggest benefits like finding a transition where i'm not so smooth at and then going back to the drawing board and realize and you know thinking about like how can i make that transition better um why am i tight there maybe i should work a little bit more ability in that area you know, so it's a great assessment tool, but it's also a really good cardio tool or a conditioning tool. You yeah, know? And, and kids do that too. That's something that I, that was mind-boggling for me watching my son at 18 months. Like, he always wants to do everything himself, right? But like going upstairs, if he could, if he if he ate shit on the stairs and got hurt, you know, I'd be like, hold daddy's hand, and then he'd jerk his hand away and fucking master the step yeah each time he wanted to figure it out and he would just repeat it until he got it right so and that's not gonna happen me. again yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah. and like that's the kind of thing like we figure out where this this hole is in the game and you yeah. work through that that's greasing the groove like you work exactly. through that movement pattern until you master it yep so many so it's so often though we're adults we forget that <laughs> shit we're like oh, I'm, I'm weak in that area i'm not gonna fucking do yeah, that exercise anymore it's all of us you know yeah. we do we're short on time we just want to knock out a quick workout and we do the same shit we always do. But, you know, I want to encourage people to to mix it up, you know, keep your training fun. Try some kettlebell flows, try some steel club flows, try some maze flows, you know, not it doesn't have to be just unconventional tools. You can use barbells too, you know, just whatever it is, you know, try to have fun, mix it up, switch up your routine, you know, still incorporate all the basic stuff because, you know, it's tried and true and it's going to help you, you know, get maximally strong doing heavy squats, heavy deadlifts, heavy bench press. Just don't neglect uh, the way your body wants to move or should move or all the other ways it can move, you know, mix it up. It'll keep you 
a lot more durable and keep you more or better prepared for any chaotic situations. Like if you decide to go play a little game of football or decide to jump into a wrestling match or, you know, whatever, or play basketball, you end up twisting in the direction you're not used to or you're not uh, adapted to, then, you know, it's going to end up bad. But if you, you mess around with your training and you play around with it, obviously with some good mechanics and, you know, being mindful of not fucking yourself up during your training, then, you know, you can really prepare your body for some more dangerous situations. Yeah. You know, people yeah. think push, pull, squat, hinge, but there's yeah. twist, rotation, lunge, yeah. there's gait. There's all these things that we need all to train, mm -hmm. you know, and I think the more we round that out, the better adapted we are and the more bulletproof we are to injury. You yeah. Know, like that, that, you know, people fucking hurt their backs in a pickup softball game, you know, like yep. a beer drinking softball mm, league yeah. with slow pitch, you know, <laughs> like, <'cause they're> just <laughs> not, and those people that train and lift weights, they're just not used to doing those things, mm, yeah. you know, or, or you throw your back out, picking your kid up or, or, you know, pulling groceries out of the, the trunk, you know, yeah. like that's the kind of shit where it's funny too. Like there's so much when we were getting into it and obviously and I've read the, the, Arnold's uh, Encyclopedia of Modern Day Bodybuilding, which yeah. is a great book, but there's so much about flat back, perfect spine, all these things. And yeah. then now you see like with Coach Summers, another guy that I learned about on Tim Ferriss, like hollow back, like you're fucking, you're doing this thing. Yeah. We move in space differently. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you're in a wrestling match, no one's standing straight up with yeah. a fucking perfectly erect spine. That shit doesn't <laughs> exist. You know, it doesn't exist in jujitsu. No. You know, you sit on your ass and you're you're getting ready to roll with somebody. You're fucking hunched forward with your arms in front of you, T-Rex arms. Yeah. You know, and like, how can we train that? Well, you can do planks with a hollow back. Oh yeah. You can if you're pull picking ups up, in yeah, a hollow pull up, body yeah, position. You, you pick up a um, a medicine ball that's heavy and we've got some pretty heavy oh, ones yeah, here you know you're completely rounded around that thing that's normal yeah to do and that. it's safe you it's actually really yeah. good for your core you can brace the spine that way oh, right yeah. yeah super great i'd love doing uh heavy uh, atlas stone squats mm -hmm. or we got this rogue bag in the gym that's like 140 pounds i hug the shit out of that and i feel so safe you know because i'm really wrapping my whole spine my whole core around it and i can really brace and hit yeah awesome. learning how to brace the core and get mm, yeah. that locked in is in super that important. awkward position that's mm -hmm. dangerous but you know there aren't any dangerous positions you know there's just uh kind of falling into something that you're not ready for you know and that's why we got to train even if it's like in a smaller load which i recommend if you're going to do like an awkward like hollow body or uh if you're going to round your spine a little bit maybe start light you know, do just body weight movements like like spine waves, you know, some animal flow movements to really articulate that spine before you, you start doing some type of uh, loaded movements with that. Uh, for example, in my kettlebell flows, my spine's not always going to be super straight. You know, there's times where I rotate into a twist press, into a, uh, into a side lunge where, you know, I kind of fall out of that neutral spine position, but that's perfectly fine because I'm not under a maximal load, you know. The only time I recommend you be super mindful of maintaining a really straight back as if you're under like maximum blows, like you're doing a three to 400 pounds squat and you gotta, you gotta be mindful of that, that butt wink, mm -hmm. you know, but like in the kettlebell, sir, we told you guys, you know, it's perfectly fine to explore that range, you know, as long as, you know, you're mindful of your tension, you go down real slow and you just, you work on that range, you know, it's actually gonna help you strengthen yourself So So when you're under heavy load, you're familiar with that and you don't fall into it and hurt yourself. Yeah, that was another another thing you just mentioned that it really blew my mind too was uh, how light we were going during the kettlebell cert. And yeah. obviously the volume was extraordinarily yeah, high. Yeah, for sure. But like I was blasted. I was so sore just from, and I used like a fucking eight and a 12 kilo throughout the two days. That was it, Yeah, you know? And um, one of the things I was talking with you and um, – What's the other guy's name? Marcus. Marcus. I was talking with Marcus, yeah. and I was like, I would love at some point to be able to snatch the 48. And he was like, all right, just work on it. Single arm swings with the 48 until like, it's yeah. really comfortable and your grip's solid, right? Because it's just a technical thing. Yep. And then fixing the snatch was like, I know I'll be able to do that one day because the, the, uh, the 20 kilo, which is what I normally use just to mess around with, that became so light it felt like a featherweight <laughs> yeah you know? but what was cool was was when john wolf got up and started fucking motoring that 48 yeah. kilo he was like bro i haven't even touched a 48 in like two months yeah all i do is fuck with the 24 
I use the 24 consistently. Yep. And that's where I get my reps, my volume. And then when I go back to the 48, I know that, you know, I know it's going to be yeah, a jump. Yeah, you know what it feels but like. But I'm constantly greasing the groove with the 24. I'm not worried about having to go heavy all the time. Yeah, and that way you don't got to break yourself down all the time. You know, yeah. going super heavy is really hard on the body. And, you know, you save those for those days where you really just want to test yourself. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to be able to use the techniques that we teach to just be mindful and just create, like, mindful tension and you know mindful movement that you get a lot of juice out of. Hell yeah, brother. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about what you're getting into now because you really have become the face of fucking on it training. You've got <laughs> over a hundred thousand followers on the gram. Yeah. Everybody knows who you are. I mean, I was following you <clears throat> probably a year and a half or two years before I got here. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Like and I had just friends in the fight game that were like, dude, you gotta follow this guy, Primal Soldier. Oh, that's dope. You know, you know, just amazing to watch what you do online. Um, and now you've got you've you've really picked up so much steam that you're doing your own thing as well as coaching here. Yeah, you've got online programming. Talk a bit about that. So I just launched uh, EricLeha.com. Uh, it's also PrimalSoldier.com. You know, if you forget, but if you get on there, I just launched my kettlebell course. So it's basically uh, what we teach in the kettlebell certs. With an, in addition to, I teach uh, a lot of my go to uh, mobility warm-ups, you know, so you can get ready for your kettlebell training. So all the cut up, uh, kettlebell fundamental techniques from, uh, you know, push, pull, squat, hinge to the swing, the snatch, and uh, all my go-to kettlebell techniques. But I also include uh, a, a section on building complexes, like how, to, how I like to build my kettlebell workouts, and a section on my favorite kettlebell flows. So it gives people an idea of how to put flows together. Uh, there's no one and done way. It's just, you know, some of my favorite flows. So in addition to learning all the kettlebell techniques in my course, you also get some pretty uh, cool examples of how to put them together into workouts. And so, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, spread the knowledge, you know, keep sharing with people. You know, it's a super, super low price on the course right now for for the amount of content that's on there. There's like 150 technique videos, warm-ups, uh, decompression, mobility, cool downs, all kinds of stuff on there. And um, I've gotten a lot of really good feedback. Uh, people are finding it super useful. You know, uh, it's good for the beginner, intermediate, and advanced uh, trainer or a person who just wants to get into kettlebell training. You know, there's something for everybody. And uh, worked really hard on it. You know, it takes about a year to put it all together. So there's a lot of content on there. Uh, so if you guys uh, sign up, uh, it's also available for a lifetime. You know, pay once, you can have it forever. Uh, it's a really great resource for coaches and anybody who just wants to make sure they got their their sound kettlebell technique. Yeah, that's amazing, yeah. brother. Especially because, I mean, we get, I get a lot of questions doing Facebook Lives about kettlebells. You know, yeah. I'm like, hey, you know, there there's some videos, there's some books, but truly it's nice to have a one-stop shop, you know, because things are kind of scattered on the academy and we're doing a better job of consolidating information there. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. But but it is really cool that that you've put that much time and effort into something that you're so passionate about. And there is one place where people can go to figure that out. Yeah. Because a lot of people do want to get into this stuff, but it is awkward. It's like, well, fuck, man. I mean, how many people were you, at least half the room who had used kettlebells before in the kettlebell cert were still doing that, like that, that kind of squat to shoulder raise squat swing co- squat yeah, squat shoulder lateral raise. raise you know yeah you know like you're using all arms you know and yeah like, like it, it should be all ass yeah you know? it should be all power you yeah know? all stretch reflex yeah and those are people that had played with kettlebells before yeah. so like how long how long have they tried kettlebells incorrectly and now they yeah. got to unpack that now they got to sure. rewire their brain to do it correctly yeah. You know? And, you know, it might not be incorrect. You know, if, uh, there's different ways to do a kettlebell swing. You know, you see people doing the uh, American swing, which overhead, requires a little yeah. bit more of a squat to get it overhead for, you know, like CrossFit purposes, for competition, for high reps. And, you know, we just we, – we like to teach at the Honor Academy to not be uh, dogmatic. You know, we're not, we're not a one-way, but we're just trying to teach you – the safe not not just the safest way but the most effective way to get the best results out of our techniques so that's why we like to teach the kettlebell swing as a more of a hinge uh posterior dominant exercise just because 
you know, if I want to hit my quads and want to hit my shoulders, I'll fucking do some shoulder presses or I'll do some squats. Yeah, goblet squats and yeah, you know, barbell. If I, I want to fuck my back up, I'll fucking go fucking jump off a really high building or something. But <laughs> uh, if I want to, a lot of people, you know, uh, their sedentary lifestyles, they drive all day, they sit down at the desk all day. So a lot of people are, you know, falling forward into flexion and we want to condition them to really engage their asses and their hamstrings a lot more. And we find the best way to do that uh, is to use the kettlebell swing as a more hinge dominant pattern. You know, there's different ways to do it. There's no wrong way to do it, but we like to teach you to fucking use your ass. I appreciated that because they're, you know, just going back to the plyometrics version of that, you know, the way you can use that to feel that load and stretch, the deeper I got into that, really hiking it between the legs, like yeah. I felt incredible power. And then the weight feels lighter. Yeah. And the same thing followed with the statch, which is a similar movement, but... Mm -hmm like really pulling that down and and driving the hips back yeah you know, like the ask the grat what was that Go, the, goes through the three superman superman is where you pull, pull the shoulders back and down tuck Instagram, your pelvis back pelvis like you're pushing that ass yeah, out on the ig you press that ham and then you press that ham uh, yeah push, pushing their ass back like you're <laughs> pressing your butt cheeks up against the window to moon somebody yeah hell yeah that's what it is <laughs> it was dope you know it was really incredible to have not only fun language like that that's easy to remember yeah. but um how much that translated through all these different movements oh know? yeah and then in that experience knowing like damn if the weight's moving that much quicker and feeling that much lighter i've already become stronger through the technique mm -hmm. you know it's not like my body adapted in a fucking 24-hour span and i'm that much stronger from one day's training <laughs> yeah i know it's, it's a technique. technical thing yeah you know? yeah we like to teach uh one thing we like to say a lot is you want to make uh a lightweight feel heavy or you want to move uh, lightweight like it's a heavy weight so that eventually a heavy weight will seem light you know so if you you use mindful technique with lighter weights then eventually heavier weights gonna seem not as heavy as it was before just because you know you got your mechanics down you're able to radiate tension properly and you're really using you know your full body to to get the those weights up with uh and those powerful movements yeah, and that translated to safety too. I noticed, you know, a lot of people when they have a lighter weight, they're just going to lean down on one fucking foot and pick it up with a rounded yeah. back. Like, yeah, it's an eight kilo, or whatever. Yeah, you know, it's like, no, that's that's how you get hurt. Like, yeah. always respect the weight, no matter how light it is. Yep. You know, use good form to pick it up, brace the spine, mm -hmm. tight waist, that kind of stuff. And I thought that was uh, incredibly powerful to, to yeah, super you know, valuable. Make sure people are aren't getting hurt outside of training you know even when they're just picking up their kids or picking up the groceries like you said um it's just you know we like to teach people to be aware of their bodies and you know make sure you're you're not just fucking dicking around especially in the gym where it can be dangerous if you're not using proper form we've talked a bit about how you got here physically but i want to take a deeper dive into how you've changed mentally emotionally spiritually over the years and I, and I, you know what I'm leading to here. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, man. Um, so like I said, growing up in, in school, I kind of zeroed in on, uh, on like academics. Um, I want to do really good in school, get into a good, a good college. And I neglected the social part. And so for the longest time, I, I didn't drink. I didn't do any drugs. I was completely sober. And then right out of school, you know, I started listening to Joe Rogan talk about how awesome, you know, smoking weed is and how to open your mind. And I was like, fuck, man, I'm such a little bitch. Like, I'm scared to talk to girls. I'm scared to fucking talk to, to people and make friends. Like, maybe I should fucking start smoking weed and, you know, trying some, some, something different because I'm fucking socially fucking dumb and I can't make any friends. And so I had a, a friend in high school who had been trying to pressure me for a long time to smoke weed. I finally took him up on the offer and we smoked weed. And for the first time, it felt like a super psychedelic experience to me. I felt like I was like flying through an Egyptian portal and that was just weed. All right. And so then I kept listening to the Joe Rogan pod podcast and he was talking about DMT, the most powerful psychedelic he'd ever tried. And I ended up actually uh, two months after I smoked weed for the first time, uh, I go to, go to go buy some weed from a friend, right? And he's like, hey, man, I actually got that, uh, some DMT. You ever heard of that? I'm like, yeah, man, I actually just heard about that the other day. Fuck, it's crazy. What a coincidence. You know? <laughs> no coincidence. <laughs> the universe provided. Right? 
And then so I fucking ended up getting some of that, took it over to my friend who introduced me to weed. And I was like, hey, man, look what I got. He's like, damn, I always wanted to try that. And so we ended up trying it and I was blown away. You know, I ended up, it wasn't, I remember going into it expecting to see like machine elves and like alien entities, you know. Yeah, all the all, Terrence McKenna talk. Yeah, yeah, all the Terrence McKenna the talk. The gnomes. <laughs> yeah, but I just fucking ended up flying through this like foreign subconscious that I had been in, but felt so familiar. You know, I felt like I had, I was traveling through like a primordial space that I had like, I was super familiar with, but also alien at the same time. So it felt super comforting. And that was my first experience. You know, I saw like, like, like I felt like archetypes, like weird, like Egyptian, like goddesses and like Indian goddesses, ate like Medusas and all kinds of weird shit. Um, so that's when I kind of broke through for the first time and I was sold on it. So I ended up realizing, man, this stuff is super expensive, but I want to keep trying it. Man, I wonder how easy it is to make. So I actually ended up learning how to make DMT and I made my own DMT, had my own supply and was smoking on it for a long time. I had a, a lot of really deep visions and uh, kind of I stopped, stopped being afraid of stuff. You know, I, I ended up realizing it helped me like kind of like dig deep into my myself and kind of pulled out a lot of skeletons in my closet that I was kind of holding on to a lot of uh, anxiety and it helped me kind of conquer pretty much like my inner bitch you know I stopped being afraid of of this world because the world inside inside myself was a lot more powerful but also intimidating and like you know there was just so much going on in my subconscious that made me realize that you know I didn't need to be afraid of the world around me it mm. was all kind of just like one thing you know I just need to be better connected with with myself because you know it, it felt like super alien you know being that deep inside my head but it also felt super familiar and then there were times where I like kind of like broke through and kind of felt like I died you know there was a time where I flew through all the the you know crazy psychedelic stuff the portals all the colors the pretty sacred psychedelic geometry. yeah sacred geometry and I kind of broke through into like nothingness I felt like like I was just like a dot of light that I could see in all directions. Like I had no, no perspective, no thoughts, no language. And like, I felt like, fuck, I'm dead. I just fucking blew it. I smoked way too much. I'm, I just died. Like, fuck. I was about to freak out because <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't talk. I felt like inanimate. And then I broke back through. I came back. I realized, you know, even if that's not what death is like, it just felt like a really vapid, like cold place. And I was like, man, I got to fucking just live it now. Like enjoy life right now. Just because, man, if that's what I have to look forward to, it, it wasn't like it was scary, but it was also very, uh, it felt very comfortable, mm. you know, like being nothing. Like it was also like you were, I was like just energy just mm. flowed. Like I was like that dot just connected part of everything. I was just a part of that sacred geometry. And I didn't have a thought, I didn't have language, I didn't have anything to be uh, conscious about. It was just existing. And then so then it made me realize, you know, coming back into this conscious world, I should enjoy every moment and, you know, have as many experiences as I can and really try to take it all in because, you know, what's next might not be anything like this. So I should try to enjoy my human experience as much as I can. You know, I try to enjoy all the flavors, enjoy all the sights, enjoy all the moments and relationships with people just because there's nobody else like those people and there's never going to be another experience like this. And so after going through all those psychedelic experiences, it really uh, kind of forced me to stop being afraid to, to meet people and to do new things and try new things. And that's actually after, you know, after years of years of training in MMA, I finally had the guts to finally take an MMA fight. I had an MMA fight and it was the most brutal thing I'd ever done. But, you know, if I hadn't had that psychedelic experience, I wouldn't have, you know, conquered my fear of not being afraid to step in the cage in front of my whole family, in front of all my friends and, you know, be in danger of fucking getting beat up or embarrassing myself. And, you know, I owe it a lot to... uh to those psychedelic experiences. And so I think that's something everybody should do, whether even if it's not ingesting drugs, you know, doing some type of 
meditation or some type of you know digging deep into your head to really help you help you conquer your inner self yeah i think i mean i don't put holotropic breath work or shamangelic breath work in the par of dmt yeah but i think it's is it is one of the deepest ways to meditate and it is visionary you know yeah. without substance like i've i was talking to john wolf about that before going out to spirit ranch and I was kind of a breathwork snob in a sense where I'm like, I've done Wim Hof, you know, I've done oh, this. Yeah. I've felt my hands charged. I've never seen shit. Yeah. You know, and I had like full-blown visions and oh, just, from yeah, the, just from the breathwork. From like all that, you know, I don't know well, how. There is works. a DMT release, you know, that's what science is starting to back up is that yeah. we, obviously we produce this in our own brains, but that is possibly why we see things when we dream, why we feel things when we dream and you can shift the chemistry in your brain through breathwork. And, and yogis have known this for thousands of years. Yeah. But, but that practice, you know, Stanislav Grav, the guy who created this, was around in the psychedelic 60s with Timothy Leary and Ram Dass. Uh, I think he was a professor at Harvard as well. You know, when LSD got shut down by the government, he still wanted a tool for everyone to use. Yeah. And I, I, I find it incredibly important because not everyone wants to go down the rabbit hole. Not everybody's yeah. willing to, to risk the legality depending on where mm -hmm. you live. Um, Obviously, if you're in Peru or you head to Peru, you're good to go. Um, but there's there's not a lot of places on Earth where that's accessible yeah. or, or or cool to do, you know. So I think having tools like that, flotation, different forms of meditation, yeah. they're really important, you know. Yeah, and even if you do go down the rabbit hole with some of the the, the stronger substances, yeah. it's still nice to have those practices in place to bridge the gap to help yeah. ground the experience, so exactly. that way you can. You can walk the walk and live and also test the, the waters too you yeah. know like see how far you've come and like through meditation and through like you said floating um for me man it got to a point to you know i was making my own supply so i had like a shitload of this stuff and i was just smoking it every night for like maybe a year maybe two years i, I don't really remember but i was smoking it every night before bed you know it was like my my like nightcap my nightcap some guys have a glass of whiskey on the rocks vape it <laughs> fucking have a vision and pass out so it was awesome you know I, I got to see a bunch of cool shit all the time have this euphoric feeling where i felt super connected with the universe and the world around me but then i felt like i got to a point to where i like stopped seeing visions you know and i stopped or i was seeing the same thing feeling the same stuff and when it, when before it was like so new and fresh every time, and I was seeing new things and new things about myself that I needed to work on, and you know I I felt like I was abusing it. You know after a while the medicine stopped stopped teaching me new things, and it was I felt like I was being punished because mm -hmm. I stopped seeing visual stuff. I still felt you know the the euphoric feeling, but I stopped seeing things. Even though I would load up the bowl with a shitload of DMT, I still wouldn't see anything. I felt like I had like uh, at one point, I felt like I burnt out my fucking pineal gland or whatever processes mm -hmm. and stuff. And I, I was like, man, I fucked my stuff up. What if I die one day or when I die, I'm not going to see anything because I burnt myself out. So I ended up, I realized, man, you know what? I need to stop doing this. And I need to set out and conquer the goals and work on the stuff that I learned when I first started doing it. And, you know, I stopped, I put it down for maybe like two or three years and I ended up uh, succeeding at work, um, you know, doing really well with on it, and you know, finally got to a point to where I realized, man, you know, I'm not stuck. You know, I've I've accomplished some things, and maybe it's time to try it again. And I tried it again, and I felt great. You know, I finally saw something new, and I felt like the medicine was kind of rewarding me with. Uh, a more uh, welcoming message. Yeah, new you know? new new stuff to work through. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, brother. That's so, fucking beautiful. I had awesome. a similar similar experience with ayahuasca. And I was talking to you about my personal experience and doing it three months in a row, getting the same message three months in a row. Yeah. And then on the third time being like, why the fuck do you keep telling me to do yoga and meditation? It's like, <laughs> oh, you haven't fucking done it yet, dummy. Yeah. Like, like, you're not going to get anything new. You don't get to graduate until you start yeah. doing whatever the work is for you, for me. You know, like I had, that was my message. That's something I needed to work on. And once I started doing that, then ayahuasca continued to teach me. But it wasn't until that point. I didn't get to graduate on to the new knowledge yeah. until I started to embody and live yeah, no, what it was you're asking right. me to do. That's definitely what it was. I hadn't graduated. I hadn't paid attention to the medicine, to what it was telling me. And what it was telling me was before was to stop worrying about uh, 
my body image and the way I looked and how swole I was and you know shredded because at one point I realized man I smoked this stuff all the time and I started getting really shredded as my nails would grow really fast my hair my facial hair would grow really fast and I ended up looking it up I was like man I wonder if this stuff makes my growth hormone like increases my growth hormone production and then it actually did I ended up finding some study some random study that said that the test subjects growth hormone increase so then i was like damn this stuff is making me shredded and then so at the tail end of it you dmt know, the ultimate yeah, performance enhancing drug i was drug. fucking trying to smoke all the time so i can you know get really shredded and then that was totally the opposite of what the medicine was trying to tell me you know it was telling me that i need to you know just be more connected with the people around me and with myself and be you know just happy with who i am and what i have and so then that's why it fucking punished me it was rewarding me with, you know, these cool shit, you know, getting shredded, seeing cool shit. But then it was also ended up fucking turning around on me and making me realize like I'm like a fucking junkie or some shit, mm. smoking this shit all the time. And that's when I realized, fuck, I'm like going down a, a fucking shitty rabbit hole and I need to fucking stop doing it and really just focus on being me and doing stuff. Not you know to look better, to be cooler, but just to fucking be happy, and that's when I fucking I stopped doing DMT. Um, although it wasn't bad, I'm not saying it's bad. I was just I was abusing it. I was using it the it's, way. It's an important caveat yeah. to make. You know, a lot of people, and I I I'm certainly have looked back on podcasts that I've done where I'm like, maybe I shouldn't put paint it in that pretty of a yeah. light, right? Because it 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 is challenging, and certainly. You know, with ayahuasca, if you ever heard Gabor Mate talk about it, he's like, there's zero chance of addiction. It tastes horrible. Yeah. You have La Purga where you're purging, you're shitting your brains out. Yeah. Like, it's not a fun experience. Yeah. And then there's euphoria and then there's yeah. knowledge, right? But you've got to work through that. With other things like LSD and DMT in particular, I mean, they can be scary at times, mm -hmm. but for the most part, it is fucking beautiful. And, yeah. and it is something that you can do more often and and, yeah. and and that there is that there's the ability to be drawn into that that's something that we all have to be mindful of you yeah. know because it's important to take that knowledge and then bring it back to earth yeah and put and it into it existence real apply life. it yeah. yeah and i was stuck in this i was stuck in this you know this fucking psychedelic world you know i was seeing a bunch of really dope visions and you know encountering these entities and because I, as I started smoking more, I did start encountering these weird entities, which I believe were, you know, my subconscious being, you know, just really, um, just really powerful visions. And because they felt really familiar. I had you know, felt these when I was a kid, you know, like scary, like, you know, that, that heavy chest feeling mm -hmm. you get. It felt like that a lot of the times. And so, you know, I was living in this this world and I wasn't really applying the knowledge I was getting to my real my real life, and then when when I finally took that step to to listen to it, put it down, and really just focus on for me my kettlebell training, and my work, my personal training and group training, and working on it, that I finally felt happy. You know, I was I wasn't just taking all this stuff from this you know this subconscious realm for myself. I was actually giving back to the world. And helping people get better at working out and their kettlebell techniques and helping people better themselves, which has been the most rewarding thing uh, ever, man. Like, I can't imagine, you know, having to, you know, like I used to work in medical billing for a while while I wasn't going to college. That was horrible because I was, you know, at a desk all day billing people for their fucking ailments and shit. And I'm like, man, these guys are sick and fucked up. And all I'm doing is trying to fucking charge them for for what they're doing and I'm not helping them. I'm not making them any better. So when I finally got the chance to help people with their fitness and their health, it, it was a, a good transition for me to really make a difference instead of just fucking sit at a desk all day. Now I get to you know, actually make a difference. And so that's why it's been super rewarding to be able to launch my stuff online because I've had people for years, you know, from all over the world who want to come to to on it and train with me or take a kettlebell cert but it's just too expensive you know a lot of people can't afford to uh lights hotels lights food, hotels cert. yeah and so uh that's why it's been a a great uh 
you know, it's, I've been grateful to be able to give back to those people who have been following me for so long and have been super supportive. So now it's um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to launch my site and uh, give people access to that information. Yeah, brother. What a what a fucking polarizing view too to be on that side of health. Yeah, man. And then to shift to what you're doing now, which I'm not saying is wrong. You know, people. You know, doctors have to make money and they have to. You know, well, provide. we got a lot that's fucked up yeah, with our healthcare. Yeah, you know, the way stuff works. Truthfully, and seeing that firsthand was like, fuck. This is what we got to do to get these people to pay, and like, we got to make them like keep coming back to these appointments, and like, you gotta give them these drugs. And I'm just like, fuck. And I felt like I felt like shit, man. And that's actually after I, I left that job to start working out on it. And I was like, I was like, man, you know, just, even if I work in the warehouse, at least I'm with a company that's more in line with my beliefs. And so I took that leap and now I'm here, you know, just got to keep trucking, keep grinding and just keep, keep giving back. Cause I think the, um, I've been, I've been, I've been successful just cause I'm, I'm always just trying to give more than I'm receiving. Um, just cause. You know, it's like the law of reciprocity that Aubrey likes to talk about. You know, just give, 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 and eventually, you know, you're gonna get it back. And yeah. if you can give 51, yep. percent take 49. Yep. Right. So you always give a little bit more than. And receive. for me, that's enough. That's more than enough. Mm -hmm. You know, when before I wasn't getting anything out of what I was doing. Now, you know, I can give whatever as long as I get some good energy back, because that's gonna keep me going, keep me working hard. Oh yeah, brother. Well, fuck, dude. It's been excellent having you on. We'll have to run it back. Hell yeah, man. I'm down anytime. Where can people follow you online? Uh, you can follow me at Eric Leha on Facebook or uh, Primal Swolger on Instagram. And uh, check out my website, ericleha.com. I got tons of uh, workouts and a kettlebell course that'll help you get your kettle game right. kettlebell game right. Fuck yeah, brother. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. Thanks for tuning in, guys. You can find out more about the Onnit 6 going to onnit.com as well as checking out the Onnit certifications at CERTs. We have a wealth of certifications you can do here from the steel mace to kettlebells to battle ropes to all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, durability is an absolute favorite of mine. So many cool things to check out. Of course, check out ericleha.com and follow links to follow him online with the Primal Swolger on Instagram. He's blowing up the gram. Over 100,000 followers. Definitely worth clicking follow. Thanks for tuning in.